And that jarring cacophony tells you that once again, you're listening to the Doctor Who podcast that's doing a mad thing throughout November. We're bringing you an episode a day discussing Doctor Who books from the past and indeed almost the present. And who knows, maybe the future. Nah, we're not that good. I'm Kenny Smith. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. We've reached day five and as we've said in the past or maybe in the future, we're recording this in a very timey-wimey type style so you'll have to forgive us if we say things that we've said already 25 times because we're not sure that we have said them or not. Today being day five, we're doing a Fifth Doctor book. It's one that I haven't read, unfortunately. Good job I have. Yes. Which which one are we doing then, Kenny? Well, we are going to have a chat with our pal Simon Messingham and we're going to be chatting about Zeta Major. Now, did you get to meet Simon? Yes, um, at Novel Experiences. Have we mentioned the convention yet? We probably yes, have. We have. And we're, going to mention, we're probably going to mention it several <laughs> more times. Um, listeners, just to give you context, we're recording this episode on the day that the BBC announced that, that hundreds and hundreds of Doctor Who episodes and lots of other stuff are going to be activated on the iPlayer very soon. So that gives you some context for when we're recording this. Because um, I think before I've given you the date that we've recorded and stuff. Anyway, yes, I got to meet Simon at Novel Experiences. I got him to sign my copy of The Indestructible Man. Um, assured him that I loved it and also told him that I really me- I remember really enjoying Strange England because I did the it's the it's one of the new adventures which um, he was quite dismissive of which I, was, I felt kind of sad about when he was talking about it but I remember some real proper scary horror quite near the start of it when I was reading it and being like oh yeah this is good stuff this is good stuff and I do own a copy of Zeta Major I'll hold it up now for the benefit of our YouTube viewers yep there you go look at that it's nice good. and look shiny it, it's pristine there's one little tiny dent in the back top left hand corner probably when um, it was in your pocket after yes. you bought it well I bought this and see I was I with my old spectrum brain it's one of the earlier ones but I've, I have a memory it was right about the time I went to Paris in 1998 that Waterstones no it wasn't Waterstones yet it was Dylan's on Union Street mm-hmm. and I, it was like 20% off everything or 25% off everything and I bought a book about Dad's Army which if I thought about I could have looked for to tell you you know who it was by and I bought this copy of Zeta Major and I think I think I also bought The Murder Game Ooh. which is second Doctor book yep by Steve Lyons Steve Lyons and I've got a feeling I probably bought a couple of Eight Doctor books running about then as well because running about this time I had read The Eight Doctors and was kind of you know feeling my way back in but you know as, as I've said elsewhere I didn't get terribly far with the Eight Doctor books first time around so I do own a copy of Zeta Major Simon I did buy it when it was released, you know, <laughs> we did make I did make that contribution, and maybe after I hear what you have to say about it, I'll read it properly. Yeah, well, um, this was yeah. PDA number thirteen, and it was released in July nineteen ninety eight. I wasn't a happy boy in July nineteen ninety eight. Why was that? Because um, I separated from my then girlfriend. I and, see. And I was a bit of a sad, sad person. But, right. Um, there's a chance she might actually be listening to this with her husband, so Let, she knows who she is. So I'm, hello to you both. I'm was I I was probably still up to my knees and hassle over someone who should remain nameless as well at this point. It's funny what you remember, but I remember like really clearly. I'd been at HMV July nineteen ninety eight. I'd been at HMV for a couple of months at that point. Ended up staying with him for nearly twenty years. <laughs> and at first, I wasn't really. It took me a while to get settled. It wasn't the most welcoming of atmospheres, which is something I could have worked towards changing the longer I was there. But anyway, that's another story. Yeah. And talking of other stories, Dave, why don't we hear what the back cover blurb of Zeta Major has to tell us? Yes, definitely. There's a quote which reads... Is that, is that the Doctor's quote? Let me just have a quick look. Yes, it is. Give us your best, Peter Davison. Ah, can I do a Davison? Oh, interesting. Okay. Oh, out of breath. Okay, then. 
you've decided to concentrate on deriving energy from the kinetic force of planetary movement. That was a bit more Fraser Hines than anything <laughs> else. Anyway, a glib remark from the doctor to a desperate scientist has had far-reaching effects on the empire of Morestra. Eminent Morestran scientist Sorensen, remember him from Planet Vivo Kids, attempting to find a new power source for his planet risked a universal catastrophe by attempting to steal antimatter crystals from the distant planet of Zeta Minor. The Doctor averted disaster, but as an effect sent all Morestra up a technological cul-de-sac. A bit like um, Thingy's discovery of the, the Thingy particle in Talons. Anyway, <laughs> now in his fifth regeneration, honk, that's not right, the Doctor becomes involved once again in Morestra's future. The Empire has become a theocracy, and the all-powerful Church, finally discovering that Sorensen's world-spanning energy tower will never work, is attempting to save face by covertly returning to Zeta Minor to steal the powerful minerals they need. This time, they believe they are prepared for all eventualities. With his companions embroiled in ever-shifting loyalties and intrigues of the Mestrian court, only the Doctor accepts that the forces of the antimatter universe can never interact with their own. Could he stop something he started 2,000 years ago? Featuring the fifth Doctor Nissa and Tegan, this adventure takes place between the TV stories Arc of Infinity and Snake Dance, and is a sequel to the TV story Planet of Evil. So Dave, before we get going, let's hear about the bits that inspired this whole book. Yes, jump over there, Kenny, and see if you can find the novelisation of Planet of Evil. Dave, Careful keep now. talking, polite around. Talking. You should tell Dave, Dave, tell them where yes. we are today for the first time ever. Kenny's running at mine for the first time ever, listeners. So there you go. If you're a regular listener to the, the Earth 2 podcast, you'll be familiar with the, the ambience of this room. <laughs> but Kenny hasn't been around before. For the benefit of YouTube viewers, here's a photograph of Kenny reading my bookshelves. What should I talk about? You should be able to find it by now. Come on. Yeah, I know. It's just because you've got so many different editions here. Yeah. There we go. Right. Right, I'm just going to go with this edition here. It is the, oh, here we go. It's the neon logo. <coughs> Excuse me. What's oh, the reprint? Yep. I think that's the one I've got. Actually. Fox Bar Public Library had um had this in hardback when I was a kid. Right. So let's have a look. What is the Doctor's line? That's what we're going to find out. What does he say at the end that inspires Sorensen? The Doctor took Sorensen to one side. You were telling me you decided to concentrate on deriving energy from the kinetic force of actual planetary movement, he said confidentially. Sorensen was fascinated. Was I really? Yes, indeed. In fact, you'd worked out some very significant preliminary equations. That was me doing my impression of John Coolshaw doing the fourth doctor. <laughs> the doctor snatched a pad from the console, scribbled rapidly and passed it over to Sorensen, who began studying it. Yes, of course. The kinetic force of the planets. An immense source of untapped power there. What a brilliant idea, he frowned puzzled for a moment. I wonder how I came to think of it. The doctor smiled. Strictly speaking, he was breaking a time-lord rule by passing on such information, but it was worth it to divert Sorensen from his disastrous researches into antimatter, and with all that had happened, the Morestrians were scarcely likely to send another expedition to Zeta Minor. So there we go. Now, I probably bought it because it was a sequel to Planet of Evil. Um, in those days, I wasn't quite as resistant to sequels as I am these days. And we should talk about, very interestingly here, it says the adventure takes place between Arc of Infinity and Snake Dance. And Snake Dance does have those lines at the start when the Doctor and Nissa talk about traces of antimatter. Uh -huh. And I wonder if that's because um, that's where Simon chose to, to sit as Eta Major. And I hope Kenny's asked him that when he's spoken to him. <laughs> well, to be honest, given that that's news to me, I've not got round to my rewatch of Snake Dance. 
and I spoke with Simon about six weeks ago. <laughs> um, well, there we go. Maybe then. wibbly wobbly timey wimey. I'll text them. In fact, yes. In fact, do you know what I'm going to do? Text them right now. Hang on, I'm going to text them right now and see if we can get them on the phone. <laughs> no, don't do that. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> That's like there's um. Listeners, if you don't listen to Talkville, if you're a Smallville fan and you're not listening to Talkville, which is the Smallville, Smallville Rewatch podcast that Tom Welling's doing with Michael Rosenbaum, you should check that out. They're forever phoning people up to get them on the phone. Yeah, I quite like that when podcasts do that. And radio shows as well. Yes. There's yeah. an episode actually of the Earth 2 podcast coming up very, very soon where um, Peter and I get the Golden Age Sandman on the phone. What? <laughs> no, I'm telling lies. <laughs> Right, I've just texted Simon right now, <laughs> and we'll see if he comes back. So we'll we'll go on, and if he does, then we'll do a live call with Simon Messingham. <laughs> that's because that's the kind of podcast we are. He's not received the message yet, right? But it's been sent. It's exciting, isn't it, listeners? This Indeed. is this is our equivalent of the James Whale Radio Show or the Big Breakfast. You know, this is about as zoo as ever gets. Well, I think you'll go for Big Breakfast for me because <laughs> I never missed an episode. Yes, but so, yeah, Zeta Major. Yes, uh, at the point where you know, I mean, I think we've said this already, like. It was an interesting thing about original fiction, Doctor Who fiction in the 90s, was that you didn't get an awful lot of sequels, but what you did get was books that extrapolated rather than just bringing back a monster for the sake of it or going to play. And so I remember reading an interview with um, with Simon at the time, I'm sure it must have been in DWB or Doctor Who magazine or something, when, when he talked about his inspiration for it, um, the sort of... The, what's the word? The theocracy that sort yeah. of built up because I think he extrapolated something from some of the names of characters and stuff. Mm-hmm. Remember, I remember reading that in the past. So once again, we'll see if Kenny asks on that in the interview. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, <laughs> this was—I I really enjoyed this book because I said to Simon, "I liked Strange England, but I didn't love it." And I think he's—I think he accepts that himself. Yeah. He's not the biggest fan of it himself, yeah. as you said. Mm-hmm. But I was really delighted when I saw that he was doing another book because. I enjoyed what he did mm-hmm. and this one was really good because Planet of Evil I like it but I don't love it again Yeah. and then when I read this book absolutely loved it for me it was nice and clever it's got that season 20 feel to it again it's got an old enemy coming back mm-hmm. but it's got that sort of post Bidmead scientific kind of edge to it Right. it's got that sort of Davison sort of serious tone to it although Simon does write in some amusing stuff in there as well but it's you know it's great there's the obviously the whole church versus science element to it is in there Mm -hmm. which I I love that kind of thing very interesting and the world building that goes on is fantastic isn't that a great world a great word to say when you're Scottish world world building Um, purple what's the word purple burglar alarm purple burglar alarm there we go yeah I mean it's well, that's what I was saying. Like, you know, the good, a good sequel does do something interesting and does do some extrapolating and, and building on what's come before rather than just, you know, rehashing. In fact, some of the other books that we'll talk about over the next week or two, and, you know, and we may have done already, you know, some of them are sequels and or use returning characters and we'll have plenty to say about how well that's all done. Yeah, but I love this one. I just think it's... Yeah, absolutely, Simon absolutely got Tegan right. He's got right. that sarcastic edge. He's got Nyssa bang on, and of course Nyssa becomes an antimatter creature at one point. Becomes Spoilers! Into, yeah, and <laughs> in fact, it does the whole alien to aliens thing, so instead of having one anti-man, you've oh, got a whole army of them. Interesting. And I really enjoyed that. I mean, this is something that um, we've said in Pieces of Eighth before about how... But yeah, when you look at what Virgin Books did with the New Adventures, they were building their own universe, and very few TV elements sort of tied in once you get past the likes of Iceberg and 
and such like. Yeah. And they did original creations in their own. Did their own until the dying days. Then you bring back the Ice Warriors, and that's fine. Yeah, I mean, there was a case, there was as we said, I think, or as we probably will see, in, if we haven't repeated ourselves already. You know, you got the odd thing, but you know, yeah, more often than not, Virgin just use like ideas like. How do we tie this, the stories in the future, like Colony in Space and the Mutants, together? So they extrapolate, you know, in Frontier in Space and extrapolate a sort of uh, timeline for all that sort of stuff. The yeah. Master came back occasionally, Cybermen and Ice Warriors popped up occasionally. Yeah. But more often than not, it was new monsters, like, say, the Chelonians, for example, yeah. or the interesting way that Gary worked on the Silurians and Sea Devils, yep. you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah, it wasn't dependent. No. Whereas you look at the early BBC books, like particularly the EDAs, yeah. where you've got the first book, The Eight Doctors, which yeah. has got sequels to the like, it's got like episode seven of The Sea Devils, I know. and uh, episode. episode five of State of Decay, yeah. five Doctors, episode two, all that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, episode 13 and a half of Trial of a Time Lord. Yeah, with, yeah. The, with the two sixth Doctors. Oh, yeah, it was even madness. I mean, I remember the video trailer that we got at the time for the BBC book sort of starting. Yeah. Um, and Hopefully you'll ask Stephen Cole about his Dalek voice at some point. Well, that's been done in pieces of eight. Has it? That's all right then. Um, June seventh last year. But I remember um, the selling point there was at the time that they were selling it on the fact that the Eighth Doctor was meeting people from the past, you know, because and they showed clips of Joe Grant. Um, the Zygons were obviously back in Body Snatchers. You know, did Grace come but not come back in Vampire Science? No, even? she was going to originally, right. but they but they that's couldn't a, get the rights, so right. removed her. So that's that's a. That's a, a Mandela effect moment in my head there. I can't remember. Did I read Vampire Science? I can't remember. I Listeners, so. if you know, write in and let us know. Let yes. Dave know. Did I read Vampire Science? Kenny will tell you what address to write to at the end of the episode. But yeah, um, so Simon's obviously, he hasn't just rehashed Planet of Evil. He's taken the core elements and built some from it. And that's good. Yeah, and it's very cleverly done. And it's a great read. It's really well written. The pace of it is good. And it's just such an enjoyable read. It's... If you like season 20, you'll love this book. And that's, I can't give it any higher praise than that. And season 20 is obviously very current because the Blu-ray just came out a few weeks ago. I'm still chipping away at the special features. Anyway, we yes. probably rabbited on far too much. Yep. Why don't we head over and get a wee word with Simon? Hello, I'm Simon Messingham and I wrote Zeta Major. Welcome, Simon. Lovely to see you Hello. again. It's <laughs> fun to... Uh, look at this one from all these years on because I remember the first time this was announced and thought how can you do a sequel to Planet of Evil and you just took one you're such a clever man just took one throwaway <laughs> line and extrapolated a whole world and built on it yeah I mean definitely I, I love that I love Planet of Evil as you can and I did love the end when he said why don't you just try this and I thought well how do you do that and why hasn't he, and why hasn't he done it else and, you know anyway but I mean that's not exactly how it came about but yeah I, I started from the fundamental position of loving Planet of Evil when it came on I loved it I remember that summer that it came out and you know I was 10 or something I think it was 1975 I think it's probably 9 or 10 and I just loved Doomed Missions I loved the monster I thought it was proper you know I didn't understand you know what I was going to love it was a cosmic kind of creatures I just loved the whole concept of Antimatic it was really like Forbidden Planet which of course I liked as well <laughs> it even had the monster called in the force field which I thought yeah that's the best bit of Forbidden Planet so how did the whole commission for it come about in the first place well again 
I'd written Strange England for Virgin, and I thought, well, it got such bad reviews, I'll never work for Doctor Who again. <laughs> so, I thought, so I sort of gave up. But I was in Ealing one day, and I was working in comedy at the time. And I bumped into Mark Gatiss at Ealing Studios, who I had been a friend of mine, and he wasn't really, not someone I knew very well anymore. And he said, oh, look, you know, you've got enough, you can have another go if you want. BBC are doing the books, and Steve Cole is looking for commissions. Might as well have another go, and then I kind of never saw Mark again for years. But I thought oh, I'll give it a go. What can I do? And he, and he, I think Mark said, you know, he, they are doing stuff that we like a bit more. You know, old doctors, proper adventures. You know, so none of the experimental stuff. And I went, oh, okay, well that sounds a bit more like me. So yeah, I, uh, we had actually worked on it, Lee's, and I only remember this because I read an interview with him in the Who magazine where he, we worked on a story about a tunnel, a spaceship. The, with horse-drawn carts in it, and it was incredibly grim, and I think we'd worked it out a little bit, but then out of that came some of the ideas. But I think I'd been thinking about Planet of Evil for a while and thinking how to do a sequel, and I had, the first idea I had was that, that these sort of Jacobean noblemen that would fly to Zeta Major on a holiday to experience what it was like for a thrill, to maybe nearly get the life force sucked out of your body by a creature and survive and they're, so they go on a kind of safari and I think weirdly although that's not in the eventual book it seems to me that that was possibly the link I got to this sort of corrupt Jacobean kind of theme so yeah I mean apart from that I, I can't really remember because it was so long ago but I presume you wrote a dream and sent it to Steve Cole and he said yes and then I was off and I really really loved it I was absolutely thrilled that I was going to get another go and do it the way I wanted to do it a bit more and I had actually done a screenwriting course for the BBC script unit and well, it had that had actually finished but it was a sort of course by the people who had done that and I got such positive response but they really taught me how to write and the, how work writing worked and I was that thick I'd gone oh okay I didn't ever realise you know so I'd learned that really so it was a much better place to to write a book and then yeah I remember starting it on New Year's Day must have been 96 in Swanage <laughs> thinking I better write this thing and I wasn't sure I could actually do it and uh, yeah so I started writing in longhand on New Year's Day with a massive hangover and I really wasn't sure how I was going to do it but I did obviously <laughs> so there you go genesis of Zeta Major now that's a story in its own right. It sounds like a great title. So what made you go with this team, with the Fifth Doctor, Tegan and Nyssa? Well, I confess, I haven't, you know, to me, I am of the generation when there is the sort of, there was the perfect quartet of Doctors, the first four. And after that, it had all unraveled a little bit. And, you know, I was a bit old for bits of and and I, I couldn't. I didn't really, they changed the day, I do recall, that it was on. And I was working on the nights that it was on. It was on a Wednesday night or something. So I didn't get to see it. I remember getting, I remember seeing Earthshock, but only the end. And remember everyone in my house, my phone, you know, at the time, we only had one telephone in a house back in the 18th century. And the phone was ringing and people, my friend, were going, Patrick's diet, oh my God, can't believe it. Hooray, we got rid of him. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> I think I saw that and I hadn't seen any of the preceding episodes. <laughs> so one of the things I wanted to do was I hadn't liked it. I thought, what? It looked sort of cheap and it was really clever without being interesting and it was really overlit and it looked like video. 
and it got away from that what I kind of guess I'd grown up with with that sort of Shakespearean TV studio classic Doctor Who feel which I you know was part of my DNA really and it got into filming on locations but it looked like they'd filmed them on VHS and Peter Davison was a sort of bloke you already knew he hadn't come out of nowhere like Tom Baker or John Bertrand you know he you knew who he was so he was clearly an actor playing a role and then he was quite a passive doctor and then yeah, these companions were a bit nothingy. I say this only because I wasn't really that engaged with it and I didn't get to see it. And I was still reading the Target books, but they'd started to get a bit cheap looking with like photos on the cover and things like that. And uh, I got, you know, I was just growing up as well, you know, so I'd got away from it. And then Mark had introduced me to go, you should watch some Pete Davis. This was when Colin Baker was the doctor. He said, you should watch some. And, you know, we watched um, Earthshock and we watched. Frontios, I remember we thought Frontios was fantastic, you know, really, really good. And then, of course, you get Cage of Angelic, which suddenly lifted the whole Peter Davidson Doctor into uh, something else. You know, and I actually watched Cage of Angelic again quite recently. You think, oh my God, this is cheap. This is so cheap. And you, it doesn't really stand up, I don't think, because weirdly, the gun flashes have that horrible sort of thing, the look that when you shoot things on video, do you know what I mean? That burns out the lens. And it just didn't work as well. But it was still like, at the time, I do remember in Cage's own design, this is like, why couldn't it all be like this? You know, and I said that I still probably haven't watched all of Dave since I've watched Castrovel, the four to do thing. You know, like, what's going on? You know, it wasn't engaging, and there's probably nothing wrong with it. And there's loads of people that, Surely that was their introduction to Doctor Who, and they, that was them for life. Great, you know. And but to me, it was so. I thought, well, well, let's write about and try and do the the show that I would have done. And also because I still I felt a bit annoyed about New Adventures and that they were sort of claiming that this big ambitious kind of scale and scope. But then when you read them, they always seemed to be sort of six for me and a bit sort of adult means swearing and sex and go and I wanted to do a massive massive thing you know I thought I was just going to do the biggest scale book that I could imagine and yeah I'd read I mean you can see I just I just reread these page actually I think the first time I've ever read it and on the front it said on the acknowledgement it said right this is basically a Jacobean tragedy with James Elroy James Bond and very, very influential book on me in the 70s it was a book called Lords of the Starships, which is a forgotten sphere sci-fi book, which is like more like a historical narrative. It takes place over a thousand years, and it's just sort of a pulpy read, but I remember the scale of that really being quite emotional, and I really liked that. So yeah, I was all ready to go then at that point. Let's go for it. Let's redeem Peter Davison. And I quite liked his vulnerability. And I liked, he was my kind of doctor that actually, if you bury down, it's just, he spends a lot of the time just going, why don't you just listen to me and stop doing this stuff? You know, like, if only you listen to me, but then, you know, like, especially in Cave of Sanders Island, you know, it's just the voice of reason to me, but because it doesn't fit in with what all their plans are. Yeah. Just shove them. And I quite like that aspect of it. And I liked Tegan as a character, you know, I, this, I was. I didn't want to use Adric, and I, I didn't really. I haven't actually seen things like Mordred Undead, so I didn't know anything about Turlo, and I couldn't really understand. And it seemed Turlo seemed to be very bound up in the narrative that he was in. There wasn't a lot of room for him to suddenly be 
yanked out of that and do something else and then adventure and then forget it and come back so in a minute where's the others you thought well they you know they could they could get away with it you know weirdly enough Sarah Sutton's from my hometown I read um, of Alton but I never knew who she was and I imagine she was quite posh and went to a posh high school and then sort of went to drama school and you know we I went to the sync comprehensive in the middle of town you know so I doubt we would have ever crossed paths but I was like I wonder where she lives then because it's not that big if she's involved in sort of theatricals in Alton I would probably would have known that but cool. <laughs> new facts I see that's sort of the facts that I find interesting people who grew up near in the same sort of places talk to people like I lived in when I was youngster in Campus Lang and in the next town is Rutherglen, where Andrew Smith came from, our full circle writer. So he was always oh, something. Right. Well, yeah. So always somebody who's just like, oh, that was kind of exciting to me when I was growing up. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I mean also actually like that. It's a very sort of in the middle of Hampshire, so it's very surrounded by incredibly wealthy villages. Yeah. And then Alton itself was a bit of a dump, you know, and it was very nice to have Jane Austen. Steam trains and things, but you know, there was a big kind of rural core in the middle, but not very wealthy people. But yeah, you know, so a lot of famous people lived around. Bernard Hepton lived in the village where my granddad lived, and I met him a few times at the village hall where he would sign things. And uh, yeah, he was great. So yeah, and Martin Shaw, a professional, lived in Alton. Yeah, see, I remember a paper round, and he'd walk into the shop and get a paper. My best story about Alton is meeting Peter Cushing when I was a child. He was filming, is it House of the Seven Stars? The one he did with Vincent Price and Christopher Lee. It was quite, it was very old. And he, um, yeah, I walked into my local post office, an old man in there, and it was Peter Cushing and in a beret. <laughs> and I went, oh my God, you're Peter Cushing. And he went, yes, you know. But he was very, very old. And I was yeah. really I'm just too intimidated. Yeah, yeah. So that was a sort of strange. Well, that would cool. That's a, that's another doctor met who not a lot of us have done. So there you go. Win. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I wish I'd made more of it, but I was a child at the time. <laughs> he must have been. I must have thought of him as Grand Moffatarki. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tell us a wee bit about creating the Marestrian Empire and building on what we got on screen. I imagine that's one you'd have watched the video, as was a few times, jotted down everything that was said, and then take that and then build on it and just flip it yeah I think so I mean a lot of it would have been the target book as well because I mm-hmm. I read the target book an awful lot after because again you know there were no videos you couldn't see anything so that was all you kind of had but you had the memory of seeing it and then yeah I remember reading the book and reading loads into that about the Empire uh, it just chimed with what I wanted to do. I think I just read American Tabloid by James Elroy, and I'd never read James Elroy. And he was, if you, I don't know if you've read American Tabloid, but Zeta Major is a complete rip off of its style. You know, the, the transcripts and the, the interviews and everything like that. And it's sort of about the Kennedy assassination, but it's a fantastic book. And it really, like, I went, oh my God, you know, stop what you're doing and do this. I like the Morristrats because I thought, well, why call them Morristrats? I remember even watching it going, why can't they just be Earth people? What have you gained from calling them something else? I guess what you gain is that this is the far future, right? Really distant. And it, the Earth has kind of presumably burned out by now. And then, you know, this was the end of that. And I really like that aspect of it that, that they 
that they were from Earth. You know what I mean? They were just from this weird empire that you never heard about. You know, and, uh, you know what it was. And I, I think I just loved that. that they, and they seem to be a much more aggressive species of human. <laughs> you know, because they don't really think very well, do they? They're just kind of, come on, man! And then, of course, you get Apprentice Hancock, and he's a Marmite actor, isn't he? And he, he kind of, he's sort of good, isn't he? And um, you just really, I just really liked it, and I liked the, the, the people, and I, th- I think I extrapolated, yeah, into it being, well, this is a sort of Jacobean kind of place, really, you know, where everyone's out to get what they can. And I really wanted you know, and one of the things that James Elroy does is, is you make everybody aggressive and everybody incredibly selfish, and then you've got massive kind of conflict going on there. And because Peter Davidson is such a gentle doctor, you could put him in the centre of that. And how would he, how would he sort of tackle that? And Nissa again is very gentle. Tegan's more aggressive. Would probably fit in a bit better. But the other thing about Planet of Evil is there's no women. So you go, what have you done with the women? <laughs> I mean, and um, so I thought I'd make a joke, and when I read it again, I was laughing. How, how badly received that would be nowadays. <laughs> the thing that I noticed, of course, is that um, you've got the the church, the Maristran church, and I think that's quite interesting. Sort of having that sort of conflict with uh, religion probably wouldn't get away with it in a doctrine book now for fear of offending someone. But I think that's. Yeah. It's quite an interesting way to have that conflict. It's a good conflict to have between the elected and the the faith. Yeah, I mean, I really wanted. I think that you know, when we talked about the twenty-five years ago, but I do. I can imagine that I really wanted to see how legends are made. You know, and the idea of, of Sorensen starting something that two thousand years later becomes this huge folly. I, I really like that idea, and I think. I remember reading a review that had said I'd got a fact wrong about Planet of Evil in the book. But I hadn't got it wrong. I put it in as a mistake that they had made, you know, and I also didn't signal that clearly enough. But they they were just basing everything they did on a 2,000-year-old myth that they thought was the right thing to do, you know. And the church is essentially mafia. And, you know, when I read it again the other day, I was laughing at it, <laughs> you know. The, the blasphemy, I suppose. But um, yeah, you know, I thought that was fun. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not a religious person, and I didn't see any problem with that. You know, and um, I think there were mistakes in the book. When I, you know, I, there's probably too many characters, and there's too much. It's, it is a quite a hardcore book, you know, <laughs> in terms of its violence. You know, which is probably not very Godspeed, but. I enjoyed it. I don't, know what, I don't know what that says about me. In fact, I loved it. But um, how did you find writing for the antimatter beasts and getting them in? Because they're, in fact, not just what the fact you get several of the buggers. Yeah, well, of course, I think inevitably, if you're going to make sequel, you're going to do bigger. So I thought, well, you've got one anti-man. Well, you're going to have to have thousands of this. I think, yeah, you know, you're going, what do you want? What does people want from a sequel to Planet of Evil? Well, they want swarms of antimatter and a gigantic battle. And so, yeah, you're basically always leading up to that point. And I loved the jungle of it, and you know, I, I mean, I remember, you know, I read it again, and I'm as surprised as you. I did think, oh, I explained why that cliche, the jungle, the planet was alive. Well, it literally is, and you know, these are physical manifestations of whatever lives in the other universe. You know, and I kind of in my head, I kind of had an idea that it was the opposite to this universe, and so it was formless and chaotic, and they were positives for that universe. 
but when they interact with our universe, they're forced to sort of evolve and exist in time and actually have physical matter. And they don't really like that. It, it doesn't really, it doesn't work for them. <laughs> I mean, then, so I think it all came out of that, really. So on your reread, what other highlights were there for you? Obviously, you mentioned things that you thought too many characters, but what things did you enjoy? I have to say that I, I think one of the reasons I never reread the book was I always imagined it was too obscure and too dense and too hard to read, and I'd been incredibly indulgent and it actually written quite an unreadable book that I'd enjoyed writing, but no one could ever read. But actually, when I read it, I thought, well, do you know what? I think this might be my best book because I'm really. It's a book for grown-ups, but it's still Doctor Who, and it's got a huge scale, and it's it's exciting and interesting. And it, I think, if I have a problem with it, I think maybe the pacing is too relentless, and so by the end you're a bit exhausted. But you know, I think it doesn't. It, I, I just really, really thought, well, you know, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this book probably more than any other book that I've really read, and um, and it actually wasn't at all dense. It. it you see, you never really know, because when you know the story, because you've written it, you're not going to get lost, you know, so you always kind of know what's going on. So I guess that gives me a head start on it, but, you know, um, yeah, I really, really liked it. But I, um, it surprised me how, considering I'd only ever written one other book that hadn't been very well received, I, I was surprised at how effective it was. I'm going to quote something to you here. It's from the book, Hi Who. It says, at the end of the day, a delicious parlour of dread hangs over Zeta Minor. Zeta Minor, I think they mean Zeta Major. Um, yeah. the, sort of, <laughs> the sort that makes you wrap up in delight with comfy blankets and steaming cocoa as your lover feeds the fire. It's more terrifying than Planet of Evil because the humans outdo any alien for sheer horrific intent. And the Fifth Doctor, the most non-aggressive Doctor, confronts the possibility that a few misspoken words on his part caused millions to suffer. It's a largely Tegan and Nissa story, with everyone's favourite Australian topping her resourcefulness in the TV series, and Nissa, the series' indomitable recipient of bad luck, defiantly screaming, go on then, kill me, when all seems lost. So I would say that's a pretty damn good review, because they're quite yeah. cynical about a lot of stuff. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I don't normally get a good review, so I've not read that one. So <laughs> I'm very pleased. Yeah, I'd agree with everything that it said. And, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's a really good book. Yeah, I don't know if it fits into anything that is currently Doctor Who, but it doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, it's of its time. I mean, I remember the Missing Adventures, even now, get quite a... They, they're sort of considered a poor relation to uh, the new adventures, but I don't think they are at all. I mean, I, I much preferred writing past adventures because I kind of like the idea that you didn't have to explain who the Doctor was or, you know, you could drop them into a place and... You're pretty sure that the reader would know the situation and who everyone was, you know. Whereas with Paul McGandox, you always thought, well, I don't know who's fit, who's, you know, I mean, and you didn't really know yourself because you had never actually seen them on telly. And they are, you know, they're, they're a new beast, the new adventures, and the, the, the best writers for them did those books. But, you know, I would say that I did those, but my heart was always in them, some adventures. And I certainly never saw them as a poor relation. I just thought they were done well. You know, they really, really just sort of made Doctor Who much more mature and richer and great, you know, really. I don't think... I wish I'd written a John Curtis book, although I kind of did. But this was... I mean, uh, but at the end of the day, I wrote a sequel to Zeta Minor and to Planet Evil that no one hated. So 
Got to take that. That's, that's take good that. enough for me. <laughs> and I managed to get all my favourite things in it, like, you know, the guns that are crap, the, the like strobe lights, and why do they wear white wellies? <laughs> Fantastic. Simon, thank you so much for your time. It's been a real delight once again. That was brilliant. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much, Mr. Simon Messingham. Thank you, Simon. And again, thanks for thanks for the indestructible man, because as a Jerry Anderson fan, I heckin' loved it. Do you know what we should do? Could talk to you about all day, quite frankly. We should get on. I think when this run's done, we should do more book episodes. Yes, we probably should. And I think we'll make sure that... Uh, <laughs> That's one of the ones that we talk about. We definitely do. Yeah. We'll, we'll get him... Uh, he, may be, he may not have phoned us back just now, but uh, <laughs> we'll get him in the well, in future. We're going to try and record a couple of episodes on the bounce tonight, so if Simon gets back to us before the end of recording, you never know. Maybe there'll be a, a needle drop sound effect at this point and we'll end up talking to Simon. So let's see what happens. Hello, my dear. Hello, Simon. How are you? I'm jolly good, thank you. Good. You? Well, very well. You're actually joining us live at the recording of your episode. We're doing the links. Oh, my gosh. How fantastic. Hello, and Simon. How are I'm you? I'm with Dave Steele, uh, who you met at uh, at the convention. I, I wouldn't expect... Oh, exp- All right, matey. Hello, Dave. How are you doing? You OK? Yeah, not too bad. Not Good. too bad. Good. Well, I should point out, you are live on the Power of Three podcast. Please do not oh. swear. Simon, swear as much as you like. You'll have to cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> I never swear. Good. You're a gentleman. Right. Good. That's why. Sure. Now, old school, you say. You are. You are properly old school. <laughs> now, Simon, we've just been discussing Zeta Major, and Dave just came up with something there that we hadn't thought of when you, we spoke. Well, well yeah, I hadn't thought of when we spoke to you. But having been watching season 20 on Blu-ray, Dave's come up with a question, and I thought... That's a really, really good question that we could work. So here we go. No pressure. Right. No pressure, oh, no but pressure. yeah, honestly, Simon, no pressure. What and is it's, your What is your question? It's such a geeky thing. Um, Zeta Major, Planet of Evil, all that, all the chat about antimatter. Yeah. Right. And obviously, Zeta Major is set between Arc of Infinity and Snake Dance. Arc of Infinity has the return of Omega and all of his antimatter shenanigans. And at the start of Snake Dance, if you're still keeping up, the Doctor and Nyssa have one of their little conversations about what's been going on, and they mention some traces of antimatter. Now, I wondered if that was one of the things that led you to set Zeta Major when it was set, i.e. between those two stories. Um, I wish I could say yes. <laughs> really yeah. cool. That sounds like a brilliant answer, but no, I didn't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it just shows me to be just such a complete geek, but I suppose it works. It works as a retcon, well, doesn't it? I think so. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, maybe I subconsciously did, but I, I, I can't. I, I didn't. Is right. the answer. Well, but, you know, okay. let me try and find a way of saying I did. You could just, we could, we could just re-edit this, and Simon, we could, we, Dave could ask you the question. Could just say yes. <laughs> no, this absolutely. Is, this is much funnier. Yes, well, I wish it was true. I'd love to watch Snake Dance again now. Oh, and, um, yeah, and then prove myself right. Exactly. And then go I mean, back in time and have this conversation again. <laughs> this is this is honestly something I've wondered about since the book came out. So it's nice after literally half of my life. To have, a, have that incredibly <laughs> geeky question answered. So you're a gentleman. God bless you. <laughs> I can't believe I did. I mean, I did. I did know that era quite well. Yeah. So I, I, it's 
Yeah, I mean, no, I, I can't honestly say that I did know, but I did know the year of that era quite well at the time. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's possible it seeps into yeah. me like some kind of, you know, environmental yeah. thing, you know. But no, the answer is no, not at all. Really? Oh, man. Well, oh. In, that case, in that case, it's just a lucky, happy coincidence then, isn't it, that it fitted? Yeah, I mean, it, just because I didn't know doesn't mean it isn't true, though. Yeah. I think that's the thing, you know. It is, <laughs> that is now official. <laughs> So you've you've added to the book now. You've added value. So. Added. There we go. That's the perfect term for it. So Simon, what have yeah. we interrupted you uh, to come on this podcast for? I'm really really dull. I've just finished Tesco shopping and I'm packing. Oh. And I've just come upstairs to get away because I've got so tired of it. Yeah. Sorry, I went supermarket shopping to uh, a large supermarket retail outfit. And, uh, other other supermarkets are available. Yep. Yes, the, the, just because I go to that one yeah. doesn't mean. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is a great. <laughs> but no, new, that's um, what I was doing. Very dull. But it's a great, I, new, idea for, great new idea for Sorry. a podcast. What do um what do Doctor Who writers do on Wednesday nights? That's it. That's Tuesday, what we do. Right? It's Tuesday. Tuesday, is it? I'm thinking it's Wednesday. Yeah. Why am I thinking it's Wednesday? There we go. Timey wimey. There's a yeah. problem with when you time travel. You exactly. never remember what, what's Tuesday and what's Wednesday. Yeah. So. Well, there we go. Oh, well, no, well, I'm, uh, I'm, I am, I'm making short films. I'm sort of getting a bit. Uh, yeah, but I was doing domestic things tonight. Very dull. Uh, oh well. But hey, at least we interrupted you to a bit of Doctor Who nonsense. <laughs> No, that's brilliant because you've you really cheered me up. So, yeah, yeah. And I, I am going to watch um, Snake Dancer. Cool. Because we go. I can barely remember it. I'm not even sure I've got it. I'm going to have to find it somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. there'll, be, there'll be tons of copies in DVD going cheap on eBay now that the Blu ray's out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it, yeah. But that, that, that doesn't help me tonight. No, it doesn't. I'll have to, have to um, get Britbox just for one night. <laughs> Sadly, it's not an iPlayer yet. No, that's not fair, is it? A few more weeks uh, and it will be. I bet I do have it somewhere. I probably do yeah. have it. I bet, I'll tell you what I'll have. I'll have it on VHS and no means of playing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Simon, when you have watched it, do send me a text and let me know. I will do. All right then, my friend. <laughs> thanks oh, so much. Speak to you. And you, thanks, <laughs> thanks for coming on the podcast again for a little bonus <laughs> chat. Thanks, Simon. No worries. Take care, All mate. Right. We'll speak to you soon. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Listeners, that genuinely was our live phone call. Completely unedited what you just heard. Marvellous. So right, there so we go. That's the wonders of the power of three. Absolutely. When we come up with extra questions <laughs> and we phone the writers and we ask them these things. The benefits of Kenny's infinite address book once again. <laughs> so, Kenny. I think, Dave, that uh, we should have a quick look at what I Who has to say. Well, that's a Since we're idea. checking what uh, they've been saying with all the various books that we've been doing so far. Mm-hmm. And we'll be carrying that on until episode 8 and after that we'll be going to the Doctor Who magazine reviews some of which have been written by that Matt Michael fellow right Zeta Major the sound messy at the end of the day a delicious parlour of dread hangs over Zeta Minor the sort that makes you wrap up in delight with comfy blankets and steaming cocoa as your lover feeds the fire I write It's more terrifying than Planet of Evil because the humans outdo any alien for sheer horrific intent and the fifth Doctor, the most non-aggressive Doctor, confronts the possibility that a few misspoken words on his part caused millions to suffer. It's largely a Tegan and Nyssa story, with everyone's favourite Australian. Actually, she's not my favourite Australian. Listeners, do you know who my favourite Australian is? Write in and let us know. Or they could give us a call on 01811 8055. (laughs) 
Yeah, maybe. Oh, okay, anyway, it's largely a tear in this story with everyone's favourite Australian, except she's not Jason Donovan, topping her resourcefulness in the TV series Anissa, the series' indomitable recipient of bad luck, defiantly screaming, Go on then, kill me, when all seems lost. So, um, I think, I think, I think they liked it. Yeah. Hmm. I did. Yeah. Who's my favourite Australian? I think I'll have to choose between Danny Minogue or Margot Robbie. Oh, right, Fam- right. Favourite, favourite female Australian that we fancy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, completely. Nicole Kidman or Sar- Samara Weaving at the moment, probably. Okay. Also, can I throw... Listeners, a- apologies for lowering the tone as usual. No, that was my <laughs> job. That's always my job, so we've managed to do it again. Woohoo! So, Dave. Ken. What are we going to play out with today? Well, I had a plan, which is a play on the word of major, but I've had to think, you know, we bought this book when it came out in the summer of 1998, and it's yeah. day five. Mm-hmm. The Fifth Doctor. Yeah. Summer of 98 was a good summer for Slightly Neddy or RC Boy Band 5. Oh. So we're going to play out today with Everybody Get Up. Oh, no. Oh, God, he's picked it. I can't refuse him. He picks it. He puts up for my picture, Boy's Choices. So, oh, well. It's the future. I never saw them live, believe it or not, listeners, given my... Yeah. I don't even sure if I bought that single. But, yeah, that was that was that that would have been... In the airwaves, whilst people would have been yep. reading their copies of Zeta Major back in the day. We should, of course, point out that for those of you who don't understand, when Dave says Neddy, that also means Chavy for those of you who, yes. who don't the word. There you go, quick yes. Scottish translation there yes. for you. Uh, yes, Non-educated sir. delinquents. Yes, that's a, yeah, that's so there we go. Right. Okay, right, we better hand over to Abs and Billy Richie and Billy's ex-boyfriend. That's right, so Richie so, Yeah, the Doctor Who family tree continues, probably. Right, right, yes, we'll see you. Sorry. We'll... we'll Yep, we're away, um, but we'll be back tomorrow with, incredibly, Dave, our 150th episode. Oh, my goodness. Yes, day six. Yes. I can't remember what book we're doing or if we've done it already at this point. I think we, we actually have, have recorded oh, we it. We have. We did it ages ago. We did. And it was... Hey!